Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more interesting divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and this is our post-Super Bowl show, folks, which means that my co-host Aaron adams I are still cleaning up, vacuuming up those stray Doritos and getting the blob of blue cheese off of the remote. Though, tell the truth, Aaron, you didn't watch the Super Bowl, did you? I did. You did? I have never cared about the game in particular. Okay. I am a casual fan at best, but uh, since I've been in advertising for over 20 years, the Super Bowl's where the commercials are at, or have been in the past. Mm -hmm. We could do an entire thought breakdown about why people think the commercials suck today, but there's a reason for it. But that's that's for another show. Okay. It's not today. Yeah, I, I did watch it. But I watched it for commercials. Well, then that brings us to our topic for today, which is what did you think of the Captain Marvel commercial, the 30-second ad that they put out for the Super Bowl? I don't think it added any real new footage that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. I think it was all pretty much somewhere within other trailers, just uh, kind of chopped up, put in a bag, jumbled up a bit, put in a different order and, and tighter editing. It was good. It had all the stuff I liked. The, the shot where she's flying through space and she's got the little... It's not a helmet. I guess it would be her cowl. Okay. Is on and she's got like a mohawk hairdo. Mm. I just think that looks so slick and I can't wait to see that. Mm. It's a beautiful shot and if I could just get a, a still frame of that somewhere and hang it up on the wall, I think I'd be done. That's a beautiful, beautiful frameable image that they like to trot out in trailers. Like one nice, what we call in the comics, the splash page. Mm -hmm. You know where it takes up the entirety of the page and it's just one beautiful image. That's a splash page image out of that trailer. The two posters that are out now one of them is her in deep space in that outfit you know with the mohawk and the other one is the more traditional marvel poster we've seen with sort of the central figure and then off to the side nick fury or agent colson that sort of thing what kind of caught my attention about the 30 second trailer during the super bowl is the super bowl is sort of a testosterone fest and i thought it was kind of interesting to have them start off with the two female fighter jocks, the characters that Brie Larson and LaShonda Lynch are playing, walking out on the tarmac and doing the whole, got to show these boys how we do it. You ready? And it's like, higher, further, faster, baby. What's kind of interesting is I, I went over to Shop Disney the other day just to sort of you know, get a sense of what they're putting out there merch-wise for Captain Marvel. What's interesting is the higher, further, faster thing. Yeah, they've got it. On a stainless steel water bottle, they've got it on an otter box for your iPhone. But the only way you can get a T-shirt that's emblazoned with that, it's a text T-shirt for men, which, uh -huh. wait a minute. Okay, you know, I, I thought the whole point of these two characters, and more to the point, the, the whole female empowerment angle of Captain Marvel was that we're empowering females. And why are we making this T-shirt only available for men? Don't get me wrong. Disney will catch up. They'll figure it out. And I'm almost disappointed that the slogan isn't harder, better, faster, stronger, and they just go straight up with the Daft Punk music. Every time I saw that splash on the screen, I just kept thinking Daft Punk should show up right now, and that should be harder, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> well, doubling back to Lashana Lynch's character, by the way, she's playing Maria Rambeau. Her fighter call sign is Photon. What's kind of interesting, though, about the Maria Rambeau character is that she's the mother of Monica Rambeau, who 
was the first African-American female member of the Avengers. She went by a number of different names over the years. There was Photon, there was Pulsar, there was Spectrum. And Mm. um, Maria's daughter actually ends up as Captain Marvel in one of the various chronologies of, of the Marvel Universe. But in the actual trailer that ran for the Super Bowl, you get to see Monica. She is the little girl who, when... Captain Marvel comes out on the porch in her outfit and says, how do I look? She's the little girl who tells Carol Danvers she looks fresh. So in modern day endgame time frame, she'll be an adult ready to kick booty. I guess that's the thing with these time traveling stories is that you're introduced to a kid. But then you come back in 30 minutes and now they're an adult and now they can be the superhero. Right now out in Pasadena, they're doing what's known as the Television Critics Association's annual meeting and every day a different channel will come and present again uh, will bring the various creators to talk to the television critics and on monday lauren Schuler donner who's the longtime producer of the x-men movies at fox she put in her time there because of course she's the longtime producer of the fx series legion which mm-hmm. the season that starts in june is going to be the third and final of legion no! Yeah. No! I gotta go open a beer so I can pour some out on the rug for my homies. But they did, at this TCA event, mention that one of the characters that's coming on the canvas is Professor X. So the question was, are we talking Patrick Stewart? Are you recasting? Schuler wasn't biting. She was very gracious at this whole event. She was talking about what's happening with the X-Men, because, of course, this... Disney Fox acquisition supposedly mm-hmm. wrapping up next month. The thing is, she worked with Kevin. Uh, you know, Kevin was part of the crew who got the very first X-Men out the door in 2000, 2001. She said, I worked with Kevin. We worked together in the first X-Men movie. He's a great story sense when it comes to weaving worlds together. And I trust him and I trust where he plans on taking each of these individual franchises. And when asked, did she have any insights about what's going to happen next? And it's like, I don't really know what Kevin is thinking. I I think right now he's dealing more with a wealth of characters that just came through the door and trying to make some sense of it. Which unfortunately means that the Channing Tatum Gambit movie, which, by the way, is still on the Fox release schedule for next year. In fact, it's, it's still slotted with a March 13, 2020 release date. But there's been no movement. I mean, absolutely, you know, there's no hiring up. There's no casting. 20 bucks says it gets dropped, really. I mean, Mm. it's not going forward. It hasn't gone forward in the eight years it's been in development or whatever. I don't think it's going to go now. Anyway, back to Lauren Schuler Donner. When they kept pressing about the whole X-Men thing and, and, you know, how is this all going to come together? And she basically said, you cannot have too many X-Men Marvel superhero movies out there. They'll cancel each other out. Kevin has Mm -hmm. to be careful. You can't have more than four franchises. Otherwise, people will get sick of them. The real challenge here, while he has the adventure storyline going forward, which he has to obviously follow through, he's also got to introduce new characters to keep things fresh and give the movie going on something new to focus on. And, And each of these films has to be distinctive, which... And if you think about it, we were talking about the Shang-Chi film that they're working on, you know, and how that's going to be sort of a tribute to, you know, the Kung Fu films of the uh, 60s and 70s. And 
But Lauren, at the same time, was careful enough to sort of bring it full circle and said, no matter what Kevin wants to do, this is ultimately Disney's playground, and they're the ones that will decide what gets done from this point. I'm going to make a bold prediction on this one here now. I think they're going to rest X-Men hard for a while because X-Men Dark Phoenix is supposed to be coming out later this year, Mm -hmm. and it's been pushed back. I want to say it's its third release date now because it's been pushed back twice already, Mm -hmm. and they just did another test screening, and it wasn't a very positive one, according to the people that had seen it. Oh, dear. So if that bombs in theaters in any way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. that's the last taste of X-Men you had in your mouth was uh, inferior X-Men experience. Mm -hmm. I hope it's not, but if it is... Then they're going to, Marvel's going to get X-Men. They're going to be like, hey, let's just put them out uh, to the side for just a red hot minute and let them rest. Because you've got Doctor Strange, you've got Spidey, you've got Black Panther, you've got After Avengers, some other form of team up is going to happen. We know that's going to happen. You've also got Captain Marvel in the mix now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's like five things you've already got juggling. And then they've already talked about the Fantastic Four being the link to the cosmic realm where Spidey's, you know, ground street level type hero. So that's up to six in the current franchises that you're juggling concurrently at one time, if it all shakes out like that. So some characters are either going to just either get pushed off to the side for larger, bigger characters that they acquired from Fox. And I just don't think Marvel's going to cancel all of their plans because they suddenly got new toys. I think they're going to play it smart, play the long game, because they're going to be in this for a lifetime. So why burn through it all now? It's interesting you say that, because obviously one of the questions that's been hanging out there is Guardians Volume 3. And Taika Waititi, the, the, the gentleman who did such a wonderful job with Thor Ragnarok, He was also Mm -hmm. at the TCAs this week because FX is doing a TV series series version of his his 2014 horror comedy, What We Do in the Shadows. Brilliant! So, again, that'll be great fun to watch. Yep. But while he was there, they asked, well, have you been approached about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? And he said, look, I really do want to do another movie with Marvel, but Guardians, those are James's films. And Mm -hmm. going into something like that where... Where Guardians, the Guardians movies really have James Stamp all over them. It would be like going into somebody else's house and saying, hey, I'm your new dad and this is how we make peanut butter sandwiches now. So it just feels kind of awkward. It's almost a cursed project at this point because the reason that James Gunn was fired was kind of like a political statement of we heard that he did something bad. We won't tolerate that type of behavior. Therefore, we must push him out. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But then there are some other people that said, hey, what he did was a long time ago. He was working for a different company. It, it's taken out of context, et cetera, et cetera. And they almost feel that they don't want to not necessarily step on James Gunn's toes because it's not like he is the king of Hollywood or anything. But mm-hmm. they want to take a side sort of without it career wise ruining them. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just one of those things where they have to politically go, oh, I'd really love to. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. But I was scheduled to have tapioca with my niece that day. You know, I can't. I just can't. They'll come up with any reason not to just because it's everyone's looking at that as not really the movie anymore. It's the politics that surround the movie being made. I get that. But speaking of schedule, James's Suicide Squad, it has an official release date now. It's August 6th. 2021. So this thing is moving forward. By the way, just recently, the folks at Sony put out word about how they've done in the most recent quarter. And 
your favorite movie of all time, Aaron, Venom, they're <laughs> crediting it with boosting the company's earnings by 6%. Just that film yeah. alone had that sort of impact. And they were also quick to point out that of all of the, the highest grossing films uh, worldwide for 2018, Venom now sits at the number six spot. To be fair and all that jazz, mm. Todd McFarlane, the, the creator of Venom, said the critics that didn't like Venom are just 40-year-old fanboy crybabies. And that was exactly me to a T. Oh. So if Todd McFarlane, creator of Venom, says I'm just a crybaby and get over it, I'll get over it. It's fine. Uh, Good for Sony for making money. Okay. Now, if we were to jump ahead to next year, February of 2020, I'm betting that one of the top grossing films worldwide would have to be Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And as we talked about at the very top of the show, that in addition to the Super Bowl ad that was out there for uh, Captain Marvel, there was also a 30-second ad for Endgame. And mm. when we get back from our own commercial break, we're going to talk about what we saw in this 30-second commercial. Okay, now, on a previous Marvelous Disney podcast, you and I talked about when it came to the ads that Disney was putting together for Avengers Endgame, word had leaked out that the studio's PR team was only pulling imagery from the first 15 or 20 minutes of this upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And, and Kevin Feige backed that up a little bit when he was on the, the red carpet of the Golden Globes back in January. He said, yeah, that theory is somewhat accurate, that Disney's marketing team is the best in the world, and when it comes to a lot of our films, they were able to generate a lot of excitement without giving away any of our many, many, many secrets. But that said, I think if you watch that ad closely, they did finally tip their hand about a, a number of... Theories uh, or stories that have been out there, theories that fans have had about this film, that first and foremost, there's always been speculation about, well, when is this story set? Does it pick up immediately afterwards? Is it set several years later? And based on the clips that were put out as part of this Super Bowl ad, the belief right now is we're talking at least a couple of years. Really? Okay. If you remember from the first ad... Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow character said Thanos did exactly what he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures, which on this planet alone, we have 7.5 billion people. So in a snap of a fingers, 3.7 billion people are gone, which is why we got the shot of a, a dark, cloud-shrouded New York City. I think the thing that really nailed home that, wow, some time has passed was that shot of the Statue of Liberty, or to be specific, the area around Liberty Island where it's suddenly become sort of this makeshift marina. You know, there's dozens upon dozens of boats tied up there, and there's docks in between the boats and that sort of thing. And this clearly isn't something that could have happened overnight. And we see a support group meeting, and there's a poster outside of the support group meeting that says, where do we go now that they're gone? I think the thing I found most interesting was they showed Steve Rogers at the support group meeting. And in Captain America's Civil War, Steve Rogers had to go into hiding because he was basically a fugitive from justice. In fact, wasn't there that great line from Spider-Man Homecoming where the gym teacher is showing the kids in detention like mandatory videos and 
you know, he puts in a Captain America video and he says, I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal, but whatever, I have to show these videos. They're required by the state. Yeah. So the fact that Rogers can go be out in the open and go to a support group meeting like this and nobody seems to care, that tells you a lot about what's what's going on in the world. They were more pressing concerns than Steve Rogers supposedly being a fugitive. Just the notion of Steve Rogers in a support group meeting? I mean, this is a kid who's a, a child of the Depression. You know, one of the toughest things that the United States has ever been through. Likewise, he fought in World War II and lost friends and family. This is a very tough, old-fashioned kind of guy. So for things to have gone that bad that Captain America is seeking counseling, I mean, that, that sort of gives you a sense right off the bat what the stakes are this time around. Oh, oh, by the way, Aaron, a fun fact, literally today, as just before we got started, Marvel tweeted out that today is the actual anniversary, the 75th anniversary of the launch of the Captain America movie serial. He was the first Marvel character wow. to be recreated to make the jump to the big screen. These films were turned out by Republic Studios, and they produced a Captain America serial that was 15 chapters long which I, I guess would sound excessive except for the fact that as of right now there are 20 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> so, right, yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and just three more to come in the next six months. But I still thought that was kind of cool that today is the day that Captain America makes his cinematic debut. Uh, getting back to Captain America's movie-related stuff, Joe Johnston directed the first Captain America, the first Avenger, and of course, Josh Whedon wrote and directed The Avengers out in May of 2012, likewise Age of Ultron. But beyond that, the Russo brothers, uh, Anthony and Joe, they directed Captain America Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity Wars, uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, they wrote the screenplay for Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War, as well as the screenplay for Avengers Infinity Wars and Avengers Endgame. And if you remember in Thor, The Dark World, there was that teeny tiny itty bitty cameo of Captain America when Loki, you know, changed himself into Captain America for like literally one scene. But Marcus and McFeely worked with Christopher Yost to write the screenplay of that thing. So you've got these four guys, the Russo brothers, Marcus and McFeely, who've been working hard on the Captain America stories, have been knee-deep in this stuff. And I would argue that, look, okay, the Iron Man of 2008 launched the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's actually the Captain America movies that provide the spine for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right. If you go with the premise that Captain America really is sort of kind of the emotional thread, the, the spine of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's movies, there are things they introduced that I can't help but think they're going to be paying off in Endgame. I mean, think about how we, we first meet Captain America. He's a shrimpy kid in an alley being beaten up, but he still stands up to the guy and says, I can do this all day. If you remember what we saw in the Endgame trailer, you know, at one point, we actually see Steve Rogers open up his old World War II compass, and whose photo is in the middle of this but Peggy Carter? It's funny that her photo's in his compass, because Peggy Carter really is Steve Rogers' true north. 
there's that great scene, the the very last scene of the first uh, the first Avengers movie, where you know Cap is broken out of the containment facility and now finds himself in the middle of of Times Square, and Nick Fury has to be the one to tell him you've you've been asleep for almost seventy years, and Fury asks you're going to be okay, and Steve's response is I had a date. The fact that he missed out, he missed his window with Peggy. You know, it's something they keep circling back on. I mean, think about in, in Winter Soldier, they actually have Steve go to visit the now really elderly Peggy, who's basically on her way out. She's in a hospital bed, and he tells her there, as long as I can remember, I, I wanted to do what's right. I, I guess I'm, I'm not quite sure what that is anymore. And knowing that you helped found S.H.I.E.L.D. is half the reason I stayed. And this thread continues from Winter Soldier into Civil War, where we have that scene at, at Peggy's funeral, where Sharon Carter, her niece, stands up and talks about her late aunt. And Steve is sitting there in the pews listening. You know, he's clearly crushed by Peggy's passing. And what's interesting to me is what the Russo brothers, and again, Marcus and... McFeely, again, with, with obviously with Kevin Feige's blessing, had Sharon say from uh, the lectern, and that's compromise where you can, but where you can't, don't. Even if people are telling you that something wrong is something right, even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say, no, you move. And I, look, I know a lot of people, you know, associate that with uh, obviously, what happened in uh, Age of Ultron and the Sokovia Accords or that sort of thing. But I, I have to wonder, given what's being set up for Endgame, how much of this is going to be paid off with a, a face down between the Steve Rogers character and Thanos? To be honest, I'm going to be disappointed if I buy a movie ticket to this thing and I don't get to hear Cap say you know, to Thanos at some point in a beatdown that I can do this all day. I believe that's the last words that will come out of his mouth before he's killed off, if he's killed off. That's where those words would have the most emotional weight in that film. If they're going to utter them, it's going to be right before he dies, and you're going to cry like a baby. If it happens any other way, I'll be disappointed. Now, it, it's interesting you say that, because I think there's another emotional beat that they are going to, in fact, pay off in Endgame. And that actually has to deal with Tony Stark. In fact, one of my favorite moments out of Civil War was you have that amazing battle between Iron Man, who's just discovered that Bucky, while he was under hypnosis, took out his parents, and and Cap basically puts himself between Stark and Bucky, and just like, look, he's my friend, and, and Stark's clipped response is, so was I. And think about when you, you watch that movie, and, and because how many films it had taken to get to that point, how that beat really hit and that was because the Russo brothers, Marcus, McFeely, and, and Feige had taken the time necessary to find the right place for that story beat, to set it up properly. Now, now contrast that with the moment in 2016's Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, where, where Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne are supposed to have this huge emotional breakthrough because they both realize that their mother's first name was Martha. It's one of those things where you can write that mm -hmm. and it looks good on a page. Yep. You, like the writer mm -hmm. was high-fiving himself all day. Like, that is genius, bro. Mm -hmm. But no matter who the actor is, nobody could pull off that line. 
it's not the fault of the actor. It's just that's not how a real moment happens. Uh, not when you're ready to kill someone over the fate of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, your mom's name's Martha, too? Well, <laughs> excuse me about that trying to kill you bit. Silly me. I didn't know your mother's name was Martha. It's just not real yeah. at all. Yeah. And it takes you out of a moment because it rings so very false. Yeah. But looks great on paper. It does. It does. Now, getting back to narrative beats that you, you pay off. In Avengers Infinity Wars, during the introduction of the film, we, we get to see Tony Stark and Pepper Potts in the park, and he's telling the story about he had this very vivid dream about her being pregnant, which Potts immediately denies. And But what's interesting is that Gwyneth Paltrow did an interview for the official Avengers Infinity War magazine, and she was looking back over having played this character since, again, the original Iron Man in 2008, And I I can't believe this slipped through. But here's the quote. Pepper and Tony have had a really long journey together. She obviously starts as his dutiful assistant, and then the relationship evolves. And now, this decade later, they're married and they have a child. Their relationship has evolved all the way that great romance has evolved. And it's like, you you caught the important part there, right? They have a child? Mm -hmm. We know from Avengers Infinity Wars that... Last we saw Tony, he was stranded on Titan with Nebula. And what we've seen from the the trailers so far, we've seen Tony in the Benatar, the second ship that the Guardians of the Galaxy crew had. But now it's it's out adrift in space. They ran out of food and water four days ago, and they're going to run out of oxygen the next day. And so he's composing a goodbye message on his Iron Man helmet. But Tony's not... Back on Earth, he and but Steve Rogers is, and we've already established from the tail end of uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming that Pepper Potts travels back and forth from Stark Tower to the Avengers compound up in upstate New York, which is where, according to again these trailers, we've seen Steve Rogers has set up you know his base of operations. So Rogers has got to know because if she if she travels back and forth. That she was pregnant and that she had this child. And and that's got to make it that much more tragic for Steve Rogers because this was something that he and Peggy never had the option on because they were separated by that, those 70 years when he was in the ice. They couldn't have had a family. They couldn't have had a kid. And here's Tony stranded out in space and here's Pepper with his child back on Earth. It just sort of, I know, we're talking a time travel story. And we already know, thanks to Amy Pascal, she's the producer of all of the Spider-Man movies over at Sony, and she just literally really let the cat out of the bag because she was talking about how uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, that movie starts literally a minute or so after Avengers Endgame ends. Oh, wow. Yeah, so basically... What Pascal has accidentally put out there is that whatever happens, the reset button is hammered in a big way, and Peter pretty much picks up right where he left off. Mm. The big question is, is Stark even going to be aware of the sacrifice that Captain America makes? I know a lot of this is speculation. And yeah, the, we were starting off with the uh, 30 second football commercial. And it, all I wanted to say was I saw that Cap got his shield back on. Mm-hmm. That's all I cared about out of the whole commercial. We have what Chris Evans tweeted on October 4th of last year that 
officially wrapped on Avengers 4. It was an emotional day, to say the least. Playing this role over the last eight years has been an honor to everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera, in the audience. Thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. I'm sorry. That reads like an exit speech to me. That's a guy who's being very gracious to the people he worked with and to the fan community and getting across that my time in this outfit is coming to a close. In fact, I tweeted about this this past weekend. Chris Evans may be hanging up his Captain America outfit, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's leaving the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Chris isn't just an actor. He's also a director. And it's clear the people at, at Marvel like working with Chris. We talked on the previous Marvelous Disney podcast about Disney Plus, and that as part of that, Marvel is doing several limited series. There's one that's being built around Loki. There's one that's being built around Scarlet Witch. I want to say there's also another one that pairs up uh, Winter Soldier and the yeah. Falcon. And so if you wanted the fan community to really be behind, or, or more of these things, to, to these be, these films to be authentic to the Marvel Universe, wouldn't the smartest move be to bring a guy in who worked on how many Marvel movies? Well, I think the Marvel fans really want Chris Evans on the other side of the camera because, you know, they want Cap back on the screen. They don't want Cap directing uh, Scarlet Witch. And really, Disney's all about making money. Mm -hmm. And they've only agreed that there'd be X number of movies thus far. There's no saying that they couldn't take a couple of dump trucks full of gold bars, drop them off at Steve Rogers mm -hmm private home address and go, hey, here's a, just just sign this document and the, and the gold bars are yours, buddy. And they end up doing, you know, a, a cap spinoff because they have said that they're not opposed to doing stories that go back in time. And there's a whole lot of adventures that Cap had during World War II that would make great period piece movies that don't have to be connected to the current MCU littered with Easter eggs and a hundred different people showing up as side characters. That is all valid, and I'd love to have them pursue that idea. But the interesting thing of when you have an actor who's been in a movie, who who spent this much time in that universe, they can do interesting things. They, they are that much more familiar with both the strengths and the weaknesses of the way stories are told. And Chris Evans has been performing alongside Robert Downey Jr. for how many years now? And there's got to be some different things that... Chris would want to see you know, Robert do with that character. I'm sure that he would be able to do some things, but the script dictates where you got to go. There you go. It's just that he would be more aware if they are being emotionally true to that character. And I'm sure that Robert Downey Jr. is well enough aware of his own character that he would instantly have the perfect Stark line mm -hmm. or 20 just off the tip of his tongue. So... Basically, I think by now all these characters are so cemented in who they are. You could put any competent director mm -hmm. behind a camera and pretty much get the movie you need to because the actors are just so strong and know what they need to do to pull it off. The thing about these Marvel Cinematic Universe films is they're very different animals. I mean, with Infinity Wars, the Russo brothers had to be traffic cops for a lot of this because there was how many different actors needed 
a moment how many different story threads had to be addressed. Which is why they all had to be grouped up into like two or three major core groups at any one time so you could easily bounce the story and go, by the way, here's six characters all at once. Mm -hmm. Nobody's left out. Yeah. These aren't let's go out in the street and just shoot kind of movies. They are you know, yeah. they're behemoths. They're, they're steamships that need to be, be built from the keel up. You think about a Kevin Feige who's not only, this is the movie that's coming out next week, but it's like, okay, and I need this scene included as part of the end scene because that pays off, or that sets up the movie we're doing five movies from now. And it just sort of yeah. like, ugh. I just get a headache thinking about it. One thing that I'm kind of hoping for in the future is some sort of, I don't want to say disconnected universe. There's many multiverses in the MCU. Mm -hmm. If you had seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, you got so much evidence of that by the very many various Spider-Men mm -hmm. in that Spider-Movie. That they have the ability to send the main heroes somewhere to open up the multiverse. But what I'm hoping for is a point where Marvel can stop connecting everything. And it's not that I hate it. I love it. As a nerd and as a geek, I very much do love all of the interconnected, very intricate web that connects everything thus far in the MCU. But my fear is that as time progresses and that web gets more complex, the point of entry becomes harder for new fans. And I would like a point where they can have the freedom to bust off so i was excited after endgame is done mm -hmm. that they're toying with the idea of movies that could take place in the past or in the future as well because that does start to give you more freedom to tell independent stories that don't need to be so tightly woven together where new fans can't come in because they haven't seen the previous 32 films that came before it it's so interesting you bring this up Again, we talked about Amy Pascal and how she sort of let the cat out of the bag about where Far From Home is starting and what that suggests about how Endgame closes. But she also said something that has fascinated a lot of folks who pay attention to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that Amy, going forward, wants to do movies where Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man doesn't interact with folks like Nick Fury or Tony Stark, that, that he's strong enough to stand on his own. And in a weird sort of way, that, that dovetails exactly into what you were talking about. Here's you know the yeah. head of, of Sony who's launching the Morbius movie. Those are the folks who are also doing Venom 2 and uh, into the Spider-Verse and the, the Spider-Gwen animated feature. But she's concerned about... People coming through the door and I'm confused. I don't know these 35 characters or I'm not getting the references. And she's seems to be happily sawing off the branch from the tree because she's working with Spider-Man. And yeah. arguably this is one of Marvel's strongest characters. You have to make these films accessible to the fan who's just walking through the door as opposed right. to, I'm sorry, I only have seen 14 of the, you know, you know <laughs> of the 30 movies. You know, yeah. you know, I'm sorry. In fact, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I'm taking my brother Peter with me to the press screening of Captain Marvel. When I dropped by his house, I brought my copy of Ant-Man and the Wasp and told him, look, in order to really understand what's going on, you have to watch this movie first. And he's like, it took me months to finally get around, get all the way through Infinity Wars. It's like, I have to do more homework. And it's like, I'm sorry. 
that's just how it is these days. If you're really going to appreciate the movies, or or at least this cycle of Marvel Cinematic Movies, you have to do your homework. But On Sony's side, Spider-Man had five movies. Most of them did very, very well for the company. Some did not as well, but I don't think they were complete financial disasters for the company that put them in financial jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Spidey can obviously stand on his own without the need of anyone else in the universe. But I just wanted like a simple moment where Spidey's swinging through New York and uh, there's always a moment where like Iceman's chilling on the Statue of Liberty for some reason and they end up sitting there on the torch having a chat, you know, or or the human torch is flying by and just says something and, and flies away. They don't need to be so directly interwoven. I think a lot of fans of the MCU, when they wanted Spidey into the MCU, it was primarily so he could interact with the rest of the gang that was already having so much fun coexisting together. We were having our cake and eating it, too, by the time we got to Civil War. Because everybody was there for Civil War. Mm -hmm. And then everybody was there for Infinity War. So we've just been having so much team-up, so much team-up, and it seems like that's going to continue in Endgame. And yeah, it's just after a certain point, it's just like, oh, let Spider-Man swing through the city, have an adventure by himself, uninterrupted, where he's just stopping a bank robber for once. And then some major big bad can show up and ruin the day, but have a simple adventure that doesn't require the rest of the Avengers to show up one by one and specifically help Spider-Man by giving him a new suit or some other mystical weapon. Got it. Well, folks, we'd love to hear if you think any of the stuff Aaron and I floated tonight is valid. If you think that going forward in Endgame, we're going to see the I can do this all day paid off in Endgame. We'd love to hear your thoughts there. Beyond that, thank you for listening to this latest episode of Marvelous Disney. And for myself and Aaron, have a good night. More Marvelous Disney will be coming soon. In the meantime, check out one of the other great shows found only on the Jim Hill Media Network.